installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss trailers, movies, TV shows, and all things pop culture. Today, we'll be talking about HBO's House of the Dragon, Episode 8, Lord of the Tides. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and hot tub time traveler, Emmett. Yes, I'm a big hot tub guy. Love me some warm water. <laughs> I literally just watched that movie a couple days I've, ago. I've never watched it. It wasn't worth it. Well, I, I saw it a while ago, but somebody pointed out to me that um, that guy from Cobra Kai was in it, the the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence. So I was like, I just just had a curiosity. I was Mr. Like, Miyagi. No, not. I mean, he's been long dead. So. <laughs> um, it's funny, but it's like uh, end of the like this is the end type funny. Have you ever seen those? Oh, okay, like, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, the, like if you if you like the Seth Rogen James Franco stuff from before, like that. This is going to be right up your alley. If you were going to time travel, and I'm not going to ask you the standard question of go forward or backwards, what I want to know is what would, what would be your vehicle to get you to whichever direction you want to go? So do you want to travel in a hot tub? Um, not much of a hot tub person, to be honest. <laughs> Honestly, give me one of those like red wagons, you know, the ones that you... Yeah, okay. With the little the red yeah. robins or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah those like red I, flyers. I, I would totally like I will barely be able to fit into one today, but but <laughs> it would be my right of choice. I feel like I would. That's a that's a good pick. That's a good childhood nostalgic pick. I I feel like I would just go with like a matrix door, you know, where you have like a key. What do you mean, like like you just you just open a door and walk through it. <laughs> I don't want to sit down or anything. I don't want. To, I just want to like open the door and walk to the other side. It's as close to Doctor Strange as I can get. I think it's true. I feel like part of the part of the fun though is like getting there in some sort of thing. Like obviously it defies all logic, but still. All right, fine. Then I'll pick an office chair. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was ready in the back pocket. It just goes super speed into the future or the past. <laughs> I know it's more of a I got to spin in place. Here's a follow up <laughs> to that though. Where would you go? You mean forward, backwards, or actual place? Anywhere in in, in history, but it's got to be a key event. It can't but, be like uh, just a time period. Like you got to go somewhere where something major has happened. I feel like hmm, that's a tough one. Take me back to like the Colosseum. I want to see Maximus, Decimus, Meridius, Meridius Primus. <laughs> I want to see him fight. <laughs> and then I'll be out there in the crowd yelling, kill, kill. <laughs> With your office chair just randomly. <laughs> Who's this guy sitting here? Why is he asking for a loaf of bread? <laughs> well, see, I take my red wagon straight to Pompeii. I want to see <laughs> okay, how that goes. Dang. <laughs> uh, you're not making it. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a cool pick. That's a Loki pick. Yes, Loki. I see what you did there. Loki. Loki went to Pompeii also in his show. I see. Yeah. I, I see you. Yeah. Hey, I got a burning question for you. Yeah. Shoot. What's on your wall? Oh. I'm what are you glad into you this past week? <laughs> Besides New York Comic Con. Oh, <laughs> dropping the big one. I know. I feel I might as well just get into New York Comic Con spiel there. It was great, man. Um, I, I I think I've talked to you about it before, but like I I always go at least like twice 
because uh, it's usually like Thursday through Sunday of the first or second week of October um, every year. And I've been doing it for like almost 10 years now. Uh, but, the, you know, th this year in particular, I was looking forward to it just because like we're coming out a little bit out of those like COVID, uh, heavy COVID restriction period. And so it felt like things were kind of, you know, they were willing to kind of open back up a little bit more. Uh, there definitely was similar to pre-COVID times amount of people. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I got to spend, uh, you know, some time waiting in line to see celebrities to, you know, get a couple autographs here and there and just, you know, take a look at a couple of episodes of stuff that's coming down the pipeline for different shows. It's fun. It's always fun. It's just, it's very tiring. A lot of walking, a lot of standing, you know, but I feel like it's been, it was an enjoyable experience. Any cool uh, trailers or things that you get hyped up about or you NDA'd out of your mind? <laughs> no, no NDAs. Um, I did go to the Winchester's panel with my friend Sandra and we got to watch um, Winchester. Yeah. The first episode of the Winchester's, which is a supernatural spinoff. I don't know if you ever saw that show. Okay. No, I've never, I, I know it, but I never got into it. I like, I was into the first season of that show a while ago. So like, this is kind of, telling the story of the main character's parents from that show. So it's going mm. back to like the seventies or so. Uh, they, they showed us the full pilot and then they had the cast come out and they did this whole Q and a Tom Wellings sh showed up at some point to say that, uh, you know, they, they kind of like gave us the, the reveal that he's going to be playing a key character in the series. Um, I got a Superman? look at <laughs> not Superman. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a Sad crossover. <laughs> <laughs> if the, i wouldn't be surprised honestly like that's that's wb2 but um he's he's lost that superman bod though yeah he's kind of got like a d dad bod thing going on not not <laughs> fully but like you know he's a little bit more square than i remember him being <laughs> <laughs> well that's a that's a cool teaser i saw that i saw uh couple episodes of a, there was a disney plus panel where they showed a few different trailers for upcoming shows that they hadn't showcased anywhere uh i saw the mortal Kombat movie uh it's an animated movie that they're coming they're making out another one they've done a whole bunch of these like i i had no idea like i thought i was going to like a mortal Kombat the video game panel but it was mortal Kombat, <laughs> some sub-zero animated series or sorry movie that they're coming out with so you pull one of those like classic college kid moves where you like I'm in the wrong classroom and you get up to leave and then you get called out. <laughs> I, I'll it, it, that did happen. That did, did happen really? once. So I I strayed away from my friends and from my and from my sister and um and my cousins because we, we were kind of there on 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 Friday together, but I strayed away from them because I'm like the, there was one of two Todd McFarlane uh, panels that I wanted to attend, which. I, I I got my dates confused there because he had an event every day, but I lined up, right? And so I didn't realize that on the little con schedule, it said room 406.2. I just saw 406, so went to line up at 406. Was one of the first people in line because I got there like 15 minutes before the panel. Anyway, fast forward 10 minutes later. Um, the con lady shows up to get everybody up and just, you know, get ready to go to the panel. 
and I see this group of people in like spawn costumes go right past us, right into the room next to the room I'm lined up to, and I'm like, wait a minute, those. I'm like, no, I, I think I'm in the right line. Well, it turns out I wasn't. I was online for uh, a celebration of 30 years of Ninja Turtles, <laughs> which. Uh, that's that's not a bad line to fall into, though. It's not, but here, so here's the, <laughs> this happened to me a couple of times this weekend. But like, I was at that panel. Everybody was cheering. I I look. I saw the original show back in the was it the 90s, the 80s. Only 90s kids remember. Yeah, the only 90s kids era. <laughs> but um, I'm not a big Turtles fan. Is basically what I'm trying to say. <gasps> I know, shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me how out of everybody I get picked by this cameraman and crew in the middle of the panel to answer some questions. So they put my image up on the big screen in front of all these people to answer three questions about the turtles and for a chance to win a signed copy of some comic book. Dang. How'd you do? That's, I Well, I didn't do so good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first two... Um, which I guess not to spoil anything, but I guess at some point Raphael dies in the comic books. Okay, well, spoiler. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> you warned me, and I was spoiled. <laughs> and at some point, I guess Shredder became an ally of the Turtles. I guessed those two, okay, and I got them right. But on the third one, they they talked about something that specifically happened in some issue of a comic, and I'm like, I, I had to be flat out honest, and I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you, sir. I didn't. I wasn't even planning on being here. I was supposed to be at the Todd McFarlane panel two doors down. <laughs> and Which, did they give you a prize for that honesty? Heck no. That's the right answer. How did you know? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what we were looking for. That was, that was hilarious. So that was one of my um, more memorable moments, I guess. You, you should have just been like, I'm a Megan Fox Turtles fan only. <laughs> I would have been <laughs> kicked out of that booth. <laughs> Dang, okay, that's a pretty good wall you got there. Yeah, how about you? What's on your wall this week? Uh, you know, I'm continuing, just digging into house. I can't put it down now <laughs> once I've <once laughs> started. Uh, but I've really, this week, gone down, like, uh, many, like several YouTube rabbit holes, and now my recommendation page is, like, all out of wax. It, like, it doesn't know what I'm looking for right now. <laughs> Oh, I've been on like on one end of the spectrum, like Barstool Sports. You know the channel. Have you yeah. ever watched uh, the Sunday conversations? I haven't. No, I'll be <laughs> honest. My my uh, my ticket into Barstool was the uh, pizza reviews that yeah Portnoy does all the time. Although I did leave that once it got to the uh, political era, but <laughs> I, I feel like we we had to ditch several things when the political era came. <laughs> but but this. Uh, this thing is actually pretty funny if you check that out. It's an interview with like it's like the most awkward interview you can create uh, with one guy eating like ice cream between <laughs> the two, the two uh, the host and the and the guest. So that's like one end, and then I've on the other end I'm like NPR's Tiny Desk concerts. You ever get into those? I love those. Yeah, those are so good. And like yeah. I don't know where like how I've ended up on either of these things, <laughs> <laughs> but now I've like. Like I've dug so far deeper, I've just like caught up to all, all, everything that's come out, and I'm. But it's, it's one of those things where you're like, "Oh, yo, have you checked out this thing?" It's like that's from five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a, there's a lot. All the, like I, I'm a big fan of just listening to like talk show like podcasts like NPR like, like behind uh, 
Oh, behind the fourth wall. <laughs> but there's there's um there's a lot of stuff that I like. Sometimes I'll like stray out from, and then I'll find it a couple of years later, and then it becomes this whole like, for however many consecutive days, I'm like binging on that one thing. Right. Yeah. Here's something to add to your list. Okay, hit me. <laughs> so something I kind of didn't know about, like I knew it was coming, I just didn't expect it to be out this um this quickly, is um. Werewolf by Night, which is this one shot by uh, uh, Marvel on Disney Plus. It's like a, a 50 minute episode. Yeah, a friend was telling me about this um, just to get into it, but I don't really know about it. So, a little backstory from, I guess, from the geekier side of, of of these things. Like Werewolf by Night is kind of a deep cut character. He's a very horror-based uh, character within the within the Marvel universe in the comics. He's basically a guy that turns into a werewolf at night. Hence the title "Werewolf by Night." Um, but it was a passion project that Kevin Feige was trying to do for a while, and I guess he found the perfect outlet to release it on on Disney Plus. It is tied to the MCU, so it's canon. This is one of the best things I've seen come out of the MCU in like a while. <laughs> Like quality wise, and also like from just from like a genuine like tone and feel. Uh, if this is like, and it's also very gory and gruesome in a way that I didn't think Disney would ever go. So it took me by surprise. Like I said, I think this is one of the more like it should be getting more attention than it is. I didn't realize it got released on Friday until somebody at the con told me about it. And I just saw it last night, and yeah, it, it uh, you know the, the performances are done really well. Um, the writing is top notch on it. It feels like Marvel put some good effort into it, which uh, again, you know, we we've kind of talked about our you know our um, concern about some of the dip in quality in some of the projects that have come out, but this is one of those like gems in in the rut. So it's just gonna be one episode, or? It's one episode. Um, from what I've come to understand, I think this is Feige's way of testing the waters. Uh, just because, like, and he's he said it uh, back at D23 that he was concerned that Disney proper wasn't going to allow him to go all gory and stuff with some of the more heavier characters. Well, they are pretty proper. So, like, Moon Knight had some gore, right, to it, but that was kind of like dipping a small toe into the into the water. Yeah. This is like dipping your whole foot in there. Like it's not anything overtly gruesome and gross, but it it, it definitely does kind of shock you a little bit. Just just like you know, this is the MCU. You're just not used to that level of uh, graphic uh, violence. So is this going to be like a bridge into the Morbius and to Blade and to right. Harrington's character and Eternals? Yes, but I think that they're going to take this character somewhere else at some point. It just—it's mm. one of those things where like the character doesn't have a lot of brand recognition, so he thought it was best to just test the waters a little bit with his one special. That's cool. Uh, what are we getting the Kit Harrington thing? I totally tangent, but what's up with that? <laughs> you have all the answers. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, news coming out. From Comic Con weekend, not not something that was announced there, but um, I think we just got confirmation of it this morning that Blade has been put on indefinite hold. Um, which who cares? I want. <laughs> I don't care about Blade. I want Kit. 
Well, that's where he was supposed to pop up, was my understanding. Like, he was supposed to be tied to the right. Blade character. Because we had that voiceover from Mahershala Ali. Yeah. At the end of Eternals. Which, the more and more we get removed from Eternals, the more it feels like there's no solid plan there for that set of characters in that kind of world that they were trying to establish. Um, but yeah, apparently Mahershala Ali is not happy with the script. The script has been scrapped and is being, you know, re- script redone. has been scrapped. Yeah. <laughs> The director was fired a couple weeks ago. So, and they were supposed to shoot, and the movie was supposed to come out next year. Uh, where does that leave the characters? I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I, I would, um, I would, I would assume we're not going to see these characters for a couple of years. Oh man, I guess I'll just have to live with uh, the Jon Snow storyline that's going to come out. Oh, you know he's going to be busy with that HBO spinoff now, right? The Jon Snow yeah. show is definitely going to move forward. I think after House of the Dragon, for sure. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's get into it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's slide right into this heavy episode. Man, well, we are segue killers. <laughs> no, for real. We didn't uh, see a single dragon this week, did we? Uh, no. We talked about dragons. One second. <laughs> yeah, this is. A, I really thought this was going to be the episode where like stuff goes down, and I guess at some elements it did, but not at the gore level I thought it was going to be. No, but this hit all the all the nice sweet spots of like the drama filled episodes that I loved from the original. Is this your show. favorite episode so far? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. no. Is it not? No, I mean, like, no. I mean, it, it was, I think this is one of the more, um, I, I think this is, like, dialogue-wise, this is maybe one, you know, up there. But, like, I don't I don't think this is, like, my, one of, like, my favorite episode overall. I think the last one was probably better than this one, uh, just because it was, like, the last one was so tense. This one's very, like, they raise the tension, but then also break it. Like, you, you don't have to wait for it at all. Yeah, this one was full of some of the best performances we've seen out of the actor playing uh, Viserys also. Like, I feel like th- this was kind of his show. <laughs> yeah, did you see uh, George R. R. Martin texted him or something? Yeah. And said, like, your character, like, your portrayal of him is better than I could have written or something like that. Like, that's, yeah, that's kind of wild. It is, but it's all like the, the any, everything from, like, his frail look, like, from a practical effects standpoint to his performance, I thought was done really, really well. It was scary, right, to kind of see. That CGI looked kind of bad, though, right? On some of the places, yeah. I feel like the low light areas, it looked just fine. Um, but the thing I really liked, it, but okay, so the, the the dinner scene where you see his flesh moving back and forth, the exposed parts, some of it was a little too like. Um, shiny i guess for lack of a better terms like it, it looked like it was clearly a layer poured onto the actor's face yeah and then there's others like i thought in the throne room scene that whole his whole look looked looked pretty good until he removed the max the, the mask <laughs> yeah i think the mask bit was good um yeah why don't we just get into that some of that stuff um i feel like this this episode was really about individual interactions Right? This episode was all about the Vaymans and Amons and Damons of the <laughs> Egg on the first, egg on the second, egg on the third. <laughs> oh, the, we got yet another egg on, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we we gain a Viserys and we lose a Viserys, so <laughs> keep it in balance. <laughs> uh, but maybe we could start off with uh, what I thought was probably the most thought-provoking and fascinating interactions was Rhaenyra and Viserys. They had multiple interactions. Um, but I thought the thing that was uh, the the best part of it was like her discussion of like the burden of leadership. Like this is the first time that I've actually like thought about it where you know neither of these have really neither of these people have actually chosen to lead. It's not like they led like an uprising or like fought for these lands. They've just been like named the heir out of out of like there's a line in it that you could pick couple people you could pick from and they've been chosen and now they have to deal with it right like neither of them was very overly ambitious and i think that that's the thing too with the with the saris it's like he maybe wasn't the right person for the job right but i think at the end of the day he you know it's i feel like this this episode or made me kind of appreciate the character of Viserys a little bit more, right? Because he's sure. he's very flawed. Obviously, he's not very politically, you know, minded. Um, and I think his big weakness throughout the entire series has been not wanting to to take too much of a definite side. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like one of those people that like you <clears throat> you ask them a yes or no question, and they'll give you a whole explanation as to why they're about to answer with the you know with their reason. Instead of just telling you yes or no, right, and so that that ends up being his biggest flaw uh, at 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 the end of his of his, of his life also. But um, honestly, I I thought one of the more like beautiful scenes, I guess, was that glimpse into the like the dinner scene where it seems like at least to him, everybody seems to be at least somewhat getting along, right. And as the audience, you think maybe like for a second, okay, maybe it won't be too bad, you know, because Allison and Rhaenyra come to a point where they essentially toast each other, and you think, okay, well, you know, that's a little bit of a turn from what we've been seeing uh, lately. Allison goes as far as calling Rhaenyra a queen, you know, like she'll make a good queen, and yeah, I mean, like as as an audience member, you're just like, okay, cool, well, maybe you know, things are going to get settled. And it's only until after the king leaves uh, for his chambers that, you know, things pop off. Eamon has to be such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, because that was your your spot on there. They, it's not just that they like compliment each other because they have to. They pick the thing that uh, each of them feels not confident in. Like, Rhaenyra doesn't feel like she's going to be a confident leader. And Allison compliments her on that like you will be because like you you've shown it in xyz times and then rainier turns it around and goes like well you've been a really great like caretaker and like mother and that's probably been like one area where she feels like she's fallen short because i mean we saw what two episodes ago when the her kids were just babies like she held them for a second and then would give them back to the nurse and like was really just distracted with like this plot of overthrowing Rhaenyra so it, it was nice that they didn't just like compliment because they had to they they figured out like what hits home closest to them yeah I think there's like a genuine um 
thing to them, to both of them, like a genuine want to not have to go through this whole conflict. Because you even see like Allison's interaction with her own father when it's just her and, and him and she's had some sort of interaction with Rhaenyra, it feels as though she's waning a little bit on that whole, oh, like my son has to be king kind of thing. And I thought it was really cool to see, uh, when I, okay, so maybe portraits of words given the scene, but the servant girl that essentially gets, you know, you know, sexually assaulted by Aegon off screen. Yeah, cool is not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's strike that from the record. <laughs> it's not what? cool to get sexually assaulted. <laughs> no, it's not. no, but what I thought was cool, well, the, the the cool intention on that scene is to show that Allison also seems to be like, yeah, my son's, you know, maybe not the best person, right? Like she, she actually disowns him in that next scene where she's right. like, "You are no son of mine." <laughs> like, yeah, so she knows, like, like just compare Aegon to even like. Rhaenyra's oldest son. You know, Rhaenyra's oldest son is getting jabbed on constantly by by Aegon at the dinner scene, and yet it takes him quite a bit before he like is about to do an outburst and then like manages to tie that back in. Allison's oldest kid, not able to do any of that at all. He's definitely not like king material, and she's starting to realize that. And I, I feel like that carries throughout the episode, right? Like, and, and it's an important detail given the way that. Um, this episode has ended with, uh, you know, Viserys taking milk of the poppy and unintentionally starting to talk about the um, Aegon's dream. And she just hearing, I guess, what she wants is like, oh, Aegon, king, prophecy? Okay, I got you. You know, like that that, that goes on, uh, you know, taken out of context in, in a wild, different way. Yeah, just proof that you need to stop naming everyone the same name <laughs> <laughs> you see where it gets us too many agons yeah but the milk of the poppy is also like an interesting uh through thread in this episode where it's just clouding Viserys' judgment the whole time and he can't hold these conversations and then he just finally is like i just need to stay off it for a second and become clear of mind and then i can do the right thing and he does he goes to the courtroom he uh, reaffirms Rhaenyra's bloodline. He comes up with this idea of like, oh, we'll have a family dinner and we'll talk nice to each other. And then we'll, you know, if you talk nice, then you can act nice. And then you can actually, you know, strengthen the bonds there. And and he's right for a little while. Yeah, it, the, there seems to be hope for, for a bit there. Um, and I think that the, the the cool thing about that scene in the throne room too is, Obviously, it seems as though Allison and Otto were like well on their way to basically claim Rhaenyra's kid as illegitimate and assign Vaymond the seat. Yeah. Which, by the way, such a snake move for the sea snake's brother. <laughs> you know, to like go it's behind fitting. his back, essentially. Yeah. Although, like, if I was living in that nation, I would want that guy leading us. <laughs> yeah, you would want Vaymond leading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like a. He seems like a, a you know a strong military mind. He cares about the the land, the the bloodline. Like I don't I know. I feel like it was. Do less I want scary. Luke, Lucerus? I don't want him leading us. I mean, at that at this point, he's like an unprepared child for sure, right? But like, I feel like Vayman didn't really too much care about his bloodline. I think it was more so about like he just wanted a seat. There was a million different other ways he could have gone about it. 
but he chose to wait until his brother was on death's door to make that, you know, to try to make himself the, the heir to Driftmark again, knowing full well his brother was against that. Um, I don't know. To me, it, it didn't seem like he was genuine. That He was just power hungry. And that's just another one of those things that I think Damon had caught on previous episode when he uh, when he was when Vayman was giving that whole speech um, at uh, Lena's funeral. It's hard I, to keep track of these names. Yeah, it really is. I think this is like one area where the time jumps don't benefit the show is that you don't get to see this like festering in him where he wants to become the leader. We don't really see what Corliss is doing over those six years. Like I'm getting the feeling he just left for a war for the whole time and no one's heard from him for a while. Like is he out there trying to create legacy or something like that? Like this, it's really weird. Cause like no, nothing's heard about that. And it seems like they never talked about Lenor until this moment. Right. Which also, again, I, I wonder if he's ever going to come back into the series in some way. Do you see how people like think he's Grey Worm or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen that, yeah. Guys, the timeline doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but Rainey's his mom, clearly blames Rhaenyra. Like she's just like Rhaenyra kind of speculated that they would think that she was the one that called for his murder, right? Like, which, yeah, you know. I, I think she doesn't directly blame her as like you had like you have blood on your hands, but she does blame her and like you were part of the plot, like the plot against him, which she's correct about. Right. But Rhaenyra is a really good liar now and or just like she's the lesser of evils. I think Rainey's kind of I, I couldn't tell if it was the marriage proposal of Rhaenyra's sons being married to her to her granddaughters that kind of sets in solidifies that relationship for her but it seems I, to me i think it's like losing corliss puts it into perspective of like or like potentially losing her husband puts it in perspective of like the legacy thing isn't entirely wrong and if i right disown these kids then we have nothing left it's also like here's a character you know here's a woman that was also cheated out of the throne Mm-hmm. already right yeah. like rainy's was supposed to be the the heir um but her her um well i i guess it was her father right that ended up choosing uh her cousin right Sarah's. she was the daughter of the of the king and then the king chose the cousin right well, i guess he didn't choose it was the court that chose but still right like she was just passed over and so i, I guess there's part of that too that i feel like might be something weighing on her as well. I don't know. It's it's like a whole like um you know wrongfully done heiress supporting another heiress that might be you know short shafted too. But that so <laughs> the the fact that she like backed up Rainier, I feel like you know that that put the death sentence on on Vaymond right there, who couldn't hold his tongue at all, for lack of a better term. There. Well, it also could have been like a last second decision too, where. If Viserys doesn't show up to the courtroom, I think she's really good at like survival and reading what the room is. And if it was Otto and Allison making the decision that um, Vayman would have been the next heir, I think she would have gotten on board with that as like a self-preservation thing. But seeing Viserys come in, she knows how like where he stands on it on the issue. So I think it was a. Uh, it might have also been that. Right, he commands some sort of respect in her eyes still. 
that she's kind of also, you know, I guess duty bound in some way too. Well, yeah, I mean, she she knows like he's already put the the hit out six years ago that anyone who speaks otherwise about the these kids' bloodline is basically sentenced to death. So why risk it? Right. She did kind of have an out though, and the fact that like they were basically she was supposed to like be the mouthpiece, I guess, to Corliss's wishes there. And she could have easily just been like, well, we never really talked about it. Or, you know, she could have spun it any any which way she wanted. Um, but she still chose to side with Rhaenyra. Right. Uh, much to Veyman's disappointment, who it, it looked like had already cut a deal with Alice and, and Otto. Um, right. In, you know, a couple scenes prior to that. Yeah, it's really, like, reminiscent of, like, a Ned Stark showing up to court thinking he has allies. And then having everyone like turn on him in the last second yeah he couldn't get those gold cloaks on his side they just cost a few extra you know pieces of silver dang it's her genos and then I, I feel like the other big reactions here were the you know during that dinner it was like the young Targaryens like the next generation were we kind of alluded to that before, but just not able to keep the peace. That toast. But, like, pr- prior even to the dinner scene, so Damon decapitating Vaymond uh, for calling, you know, Rhaenyra out, let's say, <laughs> and also, like, uh, referring to her sons as illegitimate. Uh, for one, it showed how, it, it highlighted how reckless Damon, uh, sorry, Damon is. Um, and also, if you, you they, they they did a good job of quickly cutting to Eamon's reaction of what had just happened, right? Like his smile kind of faded away a little bit, just kind of almost acknowledging that you know his uncle is a bit of a threat. Yeah. And and the wild card because it looked like um, and one of my friends was telling me the same thing. He's like, he said um, Eamon looks like he's cosplaying as Damon. You know, like th- that's kind of what it, it looks like. Like that's the the same kind of um, look that he's going for, because they're both second sons too. You know, like mm-hmm. they're they're not the ones that are meant to inherit the throne, and yet here are these two who seem to kind of mirror each other a bit. Um, so well, that... it's clear Eamon has also spent the six years like training, and he, right. he's starting to think like I'm the I'm the strong man around here, so. Uh, anyone who wants to challenge us is going to have to go through me. He's living up to that eye patch that he's wearing. You know. <laughs> well, he does have the strongest dragon, so I mean, like, it is befitting to be like, I need to mirror that personality. That is true. Yeah. Like, and I, and I feel like he's he's the character to watch also, just based off of uh, lore and stuff. You know, like I feel like um, the 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 dinner scene going off the rails was mainly him um also you know to an extent Rhaenyra's younger son for for laughing as they put the the pig in front of you know in front of Aemond and all that but clearly Aemond has not gotten over what has happened with the eye like contrary to what he said in that episode where he's like oh it's a fair trade it's not to him he's you know he still thinks there's a score to settle there yeah I think that's been festering and he views that as like a moment of weakness and probably fueled his like need to train all these years. Cause that's his first instinct, right? Is like, 
let me call these guys weak and push them to a fight and then I can prove that I'm stronger than them. It's like that's all he's been focused on since for the last six years, which is like, I don't know, man, maybe move on, read a book or something. <laughs> well, it's hard to get over an eye, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think uh, one of the things that th- there's a lot of stuff that I liked about that scene, the dinner scene um, from Aegon constantly kind of egging on, uh, uh, <laughs> egging on the Jaceris about his, his wife and how to do the deed per se. And then like from Jaceris getting up and instead of like arguing with him, he goes over to his, you know, his betrothed or his wife. His sister. Her, yeah. <laughs> to Aegon's sister slash his aunt, <laughs> I guess. Right. Um, yeah, and then takes yeah. her out to, to dance on the dance floor there. So that, I thought that was a pretty nice way to hang, to handle the situation that they had there going on. Um, did, did she say another prophecy there in that moment too? I can't remember. Yeah, beware the beast uh, that's under the that's under the floorboards or something like that. Right. What does that mean? I just, like just the the enemy inside the house. I just took that to mean like you know the, the conflict is kind of festering, you know, so it's like mm-hmm. things are about to blow up. I don't know though. Like it, it, it's going to be interesting to see the inevitable YouTube supercut at the end of this season, where they intercut right. all the stuff she's saying, and people just start picking it apart to pieces. Um, but yeah, I, uh, th- like that whole sequence, I thought was really great. Yeah, I like the, you know, the interactions that, at that dinner because this whole thing has been interactions between two people at a time, but. Um, at the dinner that's another one of those opportunities where we have everyone in the same moment where i feel like that's the difference between this show and game of thrones is that it's following i think you might have said it last week or the week before where it's just following like a single storyline it's not like 10 storylines that will eventually weave together um so it, it is refreshing to see like how do all these people contribute to this one plot right and they're setting up that Bayman versus Damon, conf- or sorry, Aemon versus <laughs> Damon confrontation that um, yeah, I think we're going to get eventually. But uh, that 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 look at the end of the dinner could kill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think that Aemon at that point kind of is like, you know what? Like, let me back off just a little bit because he literally just saw this guy decapitate essentially a family member <laughs> well when yeah. damon just walks in between the two and just like raises one finger to like silence people and like separate yeah. them and that's all he had to do like yeah, you know this guy's alpha male it was like watching like two male lions protect like one's protecting the pride <laughs> and the other one's like trying to challenge <laughs> or something so i think i think Eamon needs like one more time jump and then he should be ready yeah i think we'll we'll, we'll see the full war start to blow up around season two. I think we have two episodes left of, uh, in this season. That's pretty crazy. I think we'll get. I'm gonna go on the out of limb and say that you know I feel like next week might be a little bit filler. Uh, like we'll we'll get like the aftermath of the of the king's death and all that. But I suspect that the big event from the story that kicks off the war itself is going to be saved for that last episode. Which is where we'll leave things as a cliffhanger, I guess, into the start of the full-on war at the beginning of next uh, next season. Because they've said they're they're going to do anywhere from three to four seasons. They have George... to give us some like some fighting though this season. You'll see something. 
because there there is something that that uh, kicks things off. Um, you know, which again, again, I think we'll we'll see that at the end of the of the season. But uh, one thing that I've liked about this, uh, you know, going back to that whole, you know, we have like a little bit of a condensed story, like focusing just on on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the interview with George R. Martin. I want to say it was last week. I don't really remember, but. Uh, one of those big uh, entertainment magazine outlets was talking to him about like what his plans are for House of the Dragon since he's on board as a producer for the full thing. And he's talked about how he's asked or specifically requested that the Dance of the Dragon story, which is a dra- the, what's being covered right now, be kept to three to four seasons because he doesn't think you can really do to it you know, too, with too many more seasons other than that. It's refreshing to hear that because I feel like in the past it's been one of those you know arguments as to I feel like the original show went on for eight seasons also because it didn't it stopped having a blueprint you know like I think after season five or so there was no more books to kind of refer to but the fact that this story is complete and set gives it a good um it's it's a good blueprint for the show and and I feel like so far it's been working to its advantage. Yeah, this is the this is the trickiest thing, right? I mean, how do you turn one book into like how do you know how much is enough? You're never going to get it right. You're either going to have to leave stuff out and fans will be upset at you for leaving out like how could you leave out this chapter or whatever? Or you could drag it out and show every, you know, grain of detail and then that's like we've invested way too much time and too many seasons into it like i don't know i'm thinking like look at the hobbit right it's kind of a short book a lot happens in it and the trilogy was not that great (laughs) like right so it's it's it is partially like what's the quality that you're putting out there but it's all it's also like how much do you put out there so i i can see how george r R. martin would be want them to be cautious about not going on longer than it needs to the show itself is going to continue because they've said that this is going to turn into a bit of an anthology. Mm-hmm. So they're going to cover like, and they're they're not afraid of going back or forward. They're just going to cover all of the Targaryen um, dynasties, I guess. Um, they put out a poll. I think I think it was on Twitter. I don't remember where, but like which uh, which which uh, timeline, which uh, event in the timeline do you want to see next? And I think I saw it was between two. It was either the Blackfire Rebellion or the um, Aegon, or Aegon's Conquest, which that's that's what I want to see the most. Like I want to see when Westeros was taken over. Like I feel yeah. like that's that. Like I want to see that giant dragon that's whose skull we keep seeing. I know we've seen it multiple times. Like just give us that backstory. <laughs> yeah, like I want the origins of all these things. Like I feel like the world is big enough and we have enough details there. Like the the book that this. Uh, this story is coming out of is called Fire and Blood. It details the history of the Targaryen household. That's not like the Dance of the Dragons reads like a Wikipedia page. It doesn't read like a like perspectives and all that, just like you know the original Game of Thrones series. So that's I think that's good because it gives a sh- like something like this a good enough template, and you can get creative with what exactly happens because you can like even in the beginning of that book it says this is the account written by the Maesters. So already there's been changes. Like we've gotten rid of one of Allison's kids. One of Allison's kids doesn't pop up in this series at all. So they're taking liberties with it. And I feel like it's it's fine to do so with this kind of thing because all you have is just enough to to go off of. It doesn't 
you don't have like a full on Bible per se, the way that you have with other franchises. Sure. Yeah, the last thing we should probably talk about before we get out of here is the final scene of the episode. Uh, you kind of started alluding to it a little bit there uh, earlier, but uh, King Viserys is on his deathbed, essentially, and thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra and starts talking about like the, the prophecy. And then clearly Allison doesn't know what he's talking about, but picks up on Aegon. So she thinks it's he's referring to her kids. So, I mean, this... We were so close to them becoming best friends, them being Allison and Rhaenyra. Maybe not best friends, but going from boiling to back down to simmering or something. This is gonna this is gonna undo all that potential. For sure. Yeah, and it's and it's also like at this point, like had I guess the men in their lives not been in their lives, I feel like they would have continued to be best friends and all that. But it's all yeah. these other players around them that are driving them to that. And unintentionally so, now the king, you know, with his last words, sparks the flame, I guess, again. Um, which she takes it, you know, she's very honor-bound and, and duty-focused, right? She, she takes that as, like, a bit of a command, like, oh, this is the king's last wishes. Which I, I, I think plays out much better than it does in the story. Because in the story, she blatantly just refuses to to listen to Viserys' last wishes. Whereas over here, she strikes me more as a tragic character because she also like how was she supposed to know what she's listening to there? You know, like, sure, yeah. And I guess let it be a lesson to all of us: never drink milk of the poppy before going to bed and expose you, you know, stories of uh, of your ancestors. I that's guess. the only way I. That's the only way I know how to go to bed now. <laughs> you you don't do essence of nightshade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do a little cocktail where I make essence of nightshade mixed with a little milk, milk of the poppy. And then I pop it with uh, one melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of substances in one go. <laughs> oh, I didn't say it was a healthy habit. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> no, I think... So, like, what, what's going to play out of this is that she thinks she has to... No matter what she does, she has to, like, make her kids next in line. Whereas Viserys was really saying, like, almost like uh Rhaenyra was the prince that was promised right saying like you were the one or does he mean it like you were the one to like carry it on I think that's what he meant okay Viserys is essentially like that UN meeting that was had two months ago where all those scientists were were pleading with us like hey climate change please do something and then everybody's just going about their own politics like I feel like that's what's happening here you know like the warnings are kind of being put and I guess ultimately they're heard a hundred and whatever years later once uh, Game of Thrones comes to pass, right? I guess we were kind of right that like this is the time in history in Westeros where that's kind of forgotten. Yeah, it's it's on the brink of being forgotten because Rhaenyra wanted to talk about the prophecy at the beginning of this episode. And he was on the milk of the poppy, so he was kind of incoherent and couldn't confirm that like, yes, that's I wholeheartedly believe in that vision you need to carry it on. So it doesn't like her bloodline is reaffirmed, but this, you know, this prophecy is not. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And like, this could just get cleared up if Allison has a conversation with Rhaenyra, but you know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Rhaenyra's just left too. you know, like she was leaving again, coming back, but yeah, like this, this was such a sad death for, for Viserys, like, and handled very differently from what the story 
tells it. So I, I oh, think, yeah? Yeah. In, in the story, I believe what ends up happening is the king dies, and they basically don't tell anybody for several days. Um, his last like wish... The, that could still happen. I think that element, sure. But like the, the, the fact that Alicent was deliberately cruel to Viserys, even to the morning, to, to the time of his death, constantly disagreeing with him on, on who's going to be successor. Like that, that, that element has changed. Like clearly here, she at least you know, was willing to kind of hear things out. Whereas in the story, it, it didn't play out that way at all. Yeah. That's such an interesting point. Um, Cause at the end of the last episode, it, the, uh, Otto and Allison are beginning their plan to be like, I know you have the, the will to see this through. Now let's get to work. We fa- fast forward six years, and did these guys do anything? <laughs> well, they kind of did, right? Because like there was that little comment that Rhaenyra makes with Damon, where they're like, "Oh, the capital looks so different. We don't, we don't like, recognize that, it." Anymore. That's hardly anything. They just introduced some religion. <laughs> hardly. <laughs> but they they replaced a lot of the Targaryen stuff, right? Like the sure. dragon statues are gone in favor of like the Faith of the Seven. So like it, it just kind of visually shows you. Or I guess it calls into question like what they've done as he's been, you know, severely medicated, right? Yeah. Like they definitely have taken steps to at least gradually get to that point. We we haven't really seen them make any major plays. I think until now, like they've been just buying their time until he dies. Well, I am interested to see where this goes. We only have two episodes left, so I, they I could see like you said the next one might be a filler, which is upsetting because it's like that's three in a row that could have been bigger and they give you one element of something being intense per episode it's house of the dragons i want to see some dragons fighting i'm getting all house i'm getting no dragons (laughs) (laughs) you know i I feel like we'll get one dragon fight at the end of this season um at least and promise well i i i think he promised (laughs) (laughs) uh any last thoughts before we uh sign off no, I th- you know I- I'll say this. I, I thought um, now that we're a couple episodes into the new actress uh, or the the new actors, I would say uh, Emma Darcy and uh, the new actress playing Alison Hightower, which I'm her name is escaping me at the moment, but um, I think they've done excellent work uh, with what they've done. You know, I I thought there was a lot of like harsh criticism. I think the first episode that they both came in, particularly with Emma Darcy's performance, I I, I think a lot of it kind of stemmed with, with them being like a non-binary actor but it, it just seemed like there was a lot of like unfair jabs thrown in, her, in, in their direction and i think having seen a couple episodes come up with her with with her character now being cemented as as the definitive Rhaenyra, right i feel like they've done a really really good job interpreting this role that it's to me it's like neck and neck between you know the the actress that was doing the work before and now I feel like it's been a nice, seamless transition, and they're having seen what's come after that first initial jump. Yeah, that would I, I would say is like the only good thing, maybe not the only, but one of the only good things to come from these time jumps is like the casting of who they picked to be the older version of these of like the younger actors and actresses is spot on. Plus, it's not just like you have to pick someone who kind of looks like the correct age progression. It's also like you have to pick up on the subtleties of what they were acting like before and over 10 years extrapolate how they would behave now. And I think it all it makes sense. It, it, that's like the been the most seamless part. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and I hope it continues. I feel like you know this has been great. This this cast, I feel like I've been impressed with more out of the gate. The Game of Thrones original cast also impressed me, but I feel like it took me a little bit to kind of start to see some of those heavier elements on it. Uh, whereas this one, you know, it had some impressive names right out of the gate too. So you know, the, I, I continue to enjoy the show. This is the one thing that I'm looking forward to every week. So a little bummed that we're probably gonna have to wait a couple years before getting the next season. You know, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked. I hope, uh, I hope we don't take too long to get to the next point. Catch up on Rings, and then you'll have two things to look forward to. <laughs> I'm like an episode behind on Rings, so, I, but I've been enjoying that as well. Um, I, the only th- other thing I want, really, I, I do want the dragon fighting, but I really want some more like Matt Smith, Damon time. I feel like he, he has so much potential to just totally kill it in the role, and we just get barely a taste of him each episode that I want, like, give me a full dose. I'm ready. I can handle it. Well, Morbius is now out on Blu-ray. And okay, these... move on, man. <laughs> More bomb. <laughs> Just saying, get your On that note, I'm not talking, stuff. no, I'm not talking Morbius. On that note, we're getting out of the booth and uh, we're going to cut it there. We might even cut that out. So we'll just go right into the thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening.